For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Anshi Spoke podcast. I am flying solo for this one, but you know what? I was kind of glad because that meant I had Tiffany Alicia all to myself. Today's interview was so much fun that I actually forgot I was interviewing and that I was podcasting. I just sat back and listened and laughed. Tiffany the Budgetista Alicia is an award-winning teacher of financial education and is quickly becoming America's favorite personal financial educator. Through her company, The Budgetista, Tiffany has created a financial movement that has helped over 1 million women worldwide collectively save more than $150 million and pay off over $100 million in debt, purchase homes, and transform the way they think about their finances. Normally, when Tiffany is interviewed, she talks about credit scores and budgeting, and I told her that I didn't want to talk about any of that. Instead, I wanted to learn about her as a female entrepreneur and all about her business. She immediately said, yes, I never get to talk about that, and away we went. This interview is an hour long because I didn't want to stop her. She shares so much detail on how she went from being $300,000 in debt, unemployed, depressed, sleeping in her childhood bed, to running a multi-million dollar membership. Every launch, every dollar earned in detail is discussed. If any of you are running memberships and launching and doing the work to build an online business, you are going to love this. Let's listen to Tiffany's story. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the Anti-Spoke Podcast. 
Thank you for having me, Sandy. We are flying, so I am flying solo, so it's just me and you. I have watched you for a while, and I'm so excited to talk to you in person. Let's start with your story. Tell us your background, and then we want to learn all about your business because it's so cool. So my background is I used to be a preschool teacher, which some people know, but some people are like, really? I actually... I thought when I was a little girl that I was going to be a teacher, like so many little girls. And then you're kind of discouraged from doing so because you're told that teachers really don't make a whole lot of money. Um, But I, despite all of that, I went to school for my, I got a degree in business with the concentration in marketing. And I went on to teach because I hated all my internships. I'm pretty fun. And so my internships were like, you can only imagine me in corporate America. I'd be like dancing at my seat like, oh, are we not allowed to do that? <laughs> and, See, I um, told you before we were recording, I'm like, I really like, you're going to make me laugh a ton in this episode yes. and already. Yes. Can you imagine me in corporate America? Exactly. No, I can't. I cannot. I cannot. So it was killing, literally killing my spirit. And so I said, Tiffany, you have to be true to yourself. I decided to become a teacher. And I was fortunate that, because I really love teaching because I grew up in a household where we were actively taught. My father, who was a CFO and an accountant, and my mom, who was a nurse, they really sat my sisters and I down and taught us specific things, money in particular. They did. They taught would, you money when you were a child? Mm-hmm. Like, like what kind of things? So my earliest, I don't even know if I remember, or I just remember people telling me this story so many times, but I must have been four or five. And I, apparently I was obsessed with keeping the water running very feng shui before it was like, you know, the thing. <laughs> and so, you know, naturally my parents were thrilled that the water bill was um <laughs> was being increased by four-year-old, five-year-old Tiffany. So they were trying to get figure out a way to get me to stop. We didn't have a lot of money when we were kids, but when the ice cream truck came, we could rotate. So I'm one of five girls. And so Tuesday was my day during the summer. That meant if on a Tuesday, since I'm number two of five, if the ice cream truck came, I can go get a dollar and the rest of my sisters could go inside and get ice cream from the freezer. So that was like, you know, so mm-hmm. I remember the day, like I went in to get my dollar. It was a normal day that I ran the water and kept it running and had a fit if anyone turned it off. And my dad said, you just missed the water, man. And I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not familiar with who that is. <laughs> and he was like, well, every time you turn the water on and you leave it on, the water man comes and we have to give him a dollar. I didn't have a dollar today, so I had to give him your ice cream dollar. Oh, Apparently, damn. it was legendary, my fallout. So let's just say <laughs> I never ran the water like that again. <laughs> oh, isn't that interesting? Such yes. smart parents, smart dads. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, with five, <laughs> you yeah. learn very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So those were the type of, like, these are real life lessons. And if you ever listen to the way I teach as the budgetista, I teach from these like real tangible mm-hmm. lessons, like, oh, I can do that. And so I got that from home and I enjoyed it, I guess, so much. I decided that I wanted to be a teacher. I thought I would teach older grades and because I, was, I had to go back for my certificate since I went to school for something different. In the meantime, they do let you teach preschool. Mm, I, so I ended up falling in love with preschool while I was waiting to get my certificate. And I stayed there for 10 years. Because wow. it was so much fun. If you have a three and four-year-old, oh my gosh, you can't tell me it's not party time all the time. <laughs> I'm with you. Like my, One of my core values is play. And mm-hmm. I love to hang out with kids and just be, at, like even kids I don't know on the street, I'll stop yes. and talk with them and play with them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my son is just like, God, mom, <laughs> do you have to talk to every child? I kind of do. Yes. Not in these days of COVID, I have to stay away. But yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I loved it, honestly. I loved it. I loved the kids. Sometimes it was hard with the administration, but the kids were awesome. And I thought I was going to do it forever. And then the 2008, 2009 recession mm-hmm. hit. And I honestly wasn't worried at first because, I mean, who teachers don't lose their jobs. We're essential workers. But I didn't anticipate that. My school was a nonprofit-based school. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't get their funding from, they got funding from corporations who no longer had the funding because of the recession. So in 2009, I was 29 and I lost my job three days before the new school year. Ugh. And it was both devastating and liberating because I kind of knew that it was time to move on to something else, but I didn't want to because teaching was really safe and easy for me. But I knew that it was time because I was getting all these little hints and I was like, no, I think I'm going to stay here. (laughs) Were you making enough money at doing that work? Were you happy with that salary? I was super frugal. So even though I think at my peak as a teacher, I was making 50,000. So not a tremendous amount of money in the Northeast. So I started at 39 and like 10 years later, I was making 50 and I used to tutor on the side and babysit. So I was making maybe an additional $5,000 a year doing that. But I had a condo by the time I was 25 because I literally lived off half my un- income. My, I had a, my roommate, as soon as I moved out of my parents' house after graduating college, I, my sister and I moved in together. My older sister, we're two years apart. So, you know, I was really mindful that like, even though I have my own apartment, I'm not paying full rent. Mm-hmm. My father taught my sisters and I that it's never really a good idea to buy a brand new car. So I actually stayed home for a whole year after graduating college so I could pay off my student loan then because I commuted from, well, I went to school the first year and then after that I commuted, but I, so I had very little student loan debt. So I paid it off and then I saved and I got myself a little car. I think it was $5,000. So now I don't have a car note because I bought my car cash. And my car insurance was lower because when you own your car in full, you don't have to get full coverage, you know? Right. So my car insurance, I remember it was like 52 bucks a month. And so, at this point, are you really conscious of debt? Like, I don't want to go into debt. That is a bad place to go. I was really conscious of, I never, I, it wasn't, I was conscious of not getting into debt. I was conscious of living below my means. I see. And okay. so because of that, it's almost like by nature, it right. meant that I wasn't going to rack up any debt. So I was very, almost too much so, because I remember my parents pulled me to the side and said, you look like hell. Like, oh. you don't dress up. <laughs> you don't dress up. Because I was such a tomboy. You don't dress up. You don't like, I mean, Tiffany, they thought I was broke because they were like, oh, she's a broke teacher. She doesn't have any money. So for the first time in my life, my dad said, here's my credit card, which I was like, who are you? Because my dad was frugal king. And I'm going to give you, me and mommy chipped in together. We're giving you $500 to go and buy some clothes. And meanwhile, I had like, I think at that time I had like $30,000 saved. I didn't tell them that. I was like, you know what? I'll take your 500. (laughs) And I bought clothes. (laughs) Go clean yourself up, Tiffany. That's exactly. So it's just that I was kind of a tomboy. And honestly, I was almost overly frugal. Right. You know, like, right. You're just so like not they enjoying were right. life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's really what my mom and my dad were worried about that I wasn't enjoying life. I mean, to some degree, but not really. I was living right. so frugally that obviously it showed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. So then you lost your job three mm-hmm. days before school. And then what did you do? So I remember like being freaked out. I called my older sister, the one I used to live with, and I said, What, what should I do? And she's like, Well, what's the worst case scenario? Like if you can't find a new job, I was like, well, I guess I would lose the house and I would move back home with uh, mommy and daddy, you know? <laughs> and she was like, well, 
I think you should plan for worst case scenario. And I was like, I really didn't want to move back home because although my parents are awesome, they're immigrants. They're your parents? Yes. And they, Nigerians are notorious for being strict. I mean, you could be 50. If you're home, your curfew is still midnight. <laughs> and so I, you know, I moved back home in my middle school bed because my youngest sister, Lisa, the baby, she was still in college. And so she had like the room I had when I was in high school, which was like the bigger room. And she was like, oh, no, no, no. Just because you're back, you can't have this room. So I was back in my middle school bed. And I remember I was turning 30. And I remember thinking, wow, this is <laughs> not what you thought. Like, like Brad Pitt posters on the wall or something. <laughs> Literally like the extra medium bed, you know, like the, it's like the super twin. <laughs> And I was like, my feet are hanging off the end. I was like, oh gosh. I remember thinking that my life was actually more financially stable at 16 than at 30. Because at 16, I used to babysit and I had like, you know. Cash. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like at 30, I have nothing. What did you do with your house? Did you sell it? So at first I tried to rent it out to a friend of mine who promptly stiffed me and like didn't pay rent oh, no. for months. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so I ended up losing it to foreclosure. <gasps> Mm-hmm. It oh. was great times. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God. So is that how you got the debt that you had? No. So the oh. debt happened right before it was, you ever see like a comedy of errors where it's like one thing goes wrong and then another. Sorry laughing. I can laugh now because things worked out. But at the time I was like, another thing. So at 25, I bought the house looking great. Tiffany, I'm like financially perfect. 26, I get my master's. Okay. For the first time I have some real debt. And so that's my master's degree. It's like $52,000. But even then I wasn't super freaked out because I'm like, okay, it's school debt. Then 27, I was like, okay, I'm feeling good. I've got my master's in education. I've got my home. I want to learn how to invest. So I reached out to a friend of mine. I'm using air quotes because you can't see me for some folks, right? (laughs) Let's call him Jake the Thief. So I reached out to my friend, Jake, who when you're in your 20s, you think that if someone looks rich, they're actually rich. I'm grown enough now to know that's not true. Like Jake had the flashy car. He had the flashy apartment. He was always talking about money and all his investments. And I said, hey, Jake, can you teach me how to invest? And he said, sure. First rule of investing, use other people's money. And I was like, well, how does that go? He was like, do you have any credit cards? I said, I just have one, but I pay it off every month. Like I use it for gas and that's it. Because my dad had taught me if you use your card, pay it off every month. And he was like, okay, take that card, but also open two other cards. We're going to pull money off. So we're going to invest with that money. I was like, yeah, I'm stupid. Let's do it. (laughs) Sounds great. Yes. And cards, no problem. I know. So I didn't know that this is called the cash advance and it is literally the worst because with the cash advance, so I'll give you an example. Two days ago, I had to call my bank because I saw that there was a cash advance on my credit card. $30, the fee for the cash advance was $10 on a $30 cash advance. That's 30%. So it was my mistake. I was transferring money Mm. from one bank account to another and I hit the card instead of my mistake. So so cash advances are very expensive. Yeah. So imagine taking off $20,000. That's how much I took off the cards. I gave it to him and he promptly stole it. You know, just, <gasps> it was never to be seen again. But I didn't know at first that he stole it. He told me that the investments he was going to invest in, supposedly had, he had some like, he was um, originally from France. Supposedly he had some stores in France and he was going to use the money to buy like Levi's and all these American goods that sold well in France. And I was going to get $2,000 a week for two years. I don't even know what I was doing. Like that just doesn't even sound right. <laughs> But when you're 20, I was like, I'm going to be rich. Like, I'm all grown up. Look at me investing. Yes. 
Oh my goodness. I look back now. I just wish I could shake that Teddy Tiffany, but oh. whatever. So because I thought I was super grown up, I was like, why would I tell my father who has a degree in economics <laughs> and a master's in finance? Why would I run it by him? That sounds like sensible. So I didn't. That was my next question. <laughs> did your father know? No, no, he did not. And then to add insult to injury, because you can't make just one small mistake, you have to make two. I said, obviously, I'm going to be rich. So I have these credit cards, so I might as well use them in the meantime while my funds flow in. All my investments are making me piles of money in the background over in France with the Levi's. Yeah. (laughs) So I swiped my card to the tune of $15,000 additional. So I went from no credit card debt to $35,000 in credit card debt within like one week. Wow. But I didn't even know. I was so foolish that I didn't even know that I was in trouble. I was just like, "Mm -hmm, money's coming. Week one, I didn't hear from him, but I'm like, because clearly it takes time to make a little money. Yeah. By the end of the month, I was like, huh, I haven't heard from Jake. So I called, I call, I call. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where's Jake? And I'm using social media. And what was so terrible, Jake is really terrible because he would pick up the phone every once in a while to string it along. Like, oh no, no, they're selling, is doing good. Or customs has the gene, just all of these excuses. And I'm like, well, he, at least he's picking up because if he, if he was going to steal my money, he wouldn't pick up. Right. That went on for months. I don't oh. know if he like enjoyed being like, <laughs> oh, he's like and- telling his friends over cocktails <laughs> at night. I got this she girl, me Tiffany. <laughs> she just called me. <laughs> Look at this. Wait, wait. Shh, shh, shh. Guys, be quiet, quiet, quiet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Levi's are doing amazing. Your money's in the bank. You didn't get it yet? So it was great times. And so normally it wouldn't be that bad, but wouldn't be Tiffany without learning all the lessons fully. So oh. normally what I would have done was because I lived really frugally that that would have happened. I would have buckled down and said, Tiffany, you're making $50,000 a year as a teacher. You live pretty frugally. You could probably pay this off in a year and a half, buckle down. But I refused. I said, I'm not paying this down. Why? It's not my debt. I'm going to pay the minimum and Jake is going to give me back my money. And so Mm -hmm. I refused to pay because I didn't want to take responsibility for something that I felt like wasn't my fault. Now, was Jake terrible for doing that? Yes. But ultimately, I mean, I'm adult enough to know that it was my responsibility. I had tools in front of me, whether just like sense or like literally I had a whole father that had been teaching me financial education. (laughs) A whole father. I that's very, that's very um, in my life who could have helped me. <laughs> yes. And I didn't use that and I didn't tap into it, uh, but I didn't want to take responsibility at first. And then finally, a year and a half of realizing Jake is gone. It's not happening. He's a thief. I finally said, okay, this is the year that I'm going to pay off the debt. Tiffany, you just have to put your tail between your legs. It's just what, this is just what happens. So then what happens at 29? Recession hits and teachers don't lose their job except for this one. And so now I go from no debt to $52,000 in student loan debt, $35,000 in credit card debt, and then unemployed within just this three-year span. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, and then I rent out my condo to a friend of mine who just doesn't ever pay rent. And then I lose it to foreclosure. I was like, life is really amazing right now, really. Yeah, love life. (laughs) Life is great. (laughs) And I just remember thinking... When I was laying in my bed, I just turned 30, and I just remember looking up at the ceiling like, is this really life for me? And it was really disheartening. And I fell into a funk for, I would say, a good two, a year and a half to two years, where I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go out. I didn't hang out with my friends. I didn't call them. I didn't pick up, because I was really ashamed 
of the mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you live here now. You live in this shame. You live in the mistakes. This is your life now. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, my best friend, Linda, our parents were actually friends. They both came, they immigrated from Nigeria to America together around the same time. And so we were, I always tell Linda we were best friends before we even were born. Somehow she caught me on the phone. She's like, how are you? And I, you know, I, I tried to do to pretend like everything's fine. And then you just start crying. And she's like, what happened? Tiffany, you've been like gone from every, everyone's asking where you are. And I said, I told her what happened then. I lost my job. I lost my house. I had another loss. I had been dating my college boyfriend from, we had been dating like five or six years and we broke up during that same time. So everything was like a loss. I was like, Mike is gone. Everything is gone. Oh, and I'm home. I'm home. (laughs) In my twin bed. Yes. (laughs) And she was, she started laughing and I was like, I failed to see what's so funny. (laughs) And she was like, honestly, Tiffany, like we've all been broke. For like the longest, like everyone's struggling. You were the only friend that we had that wasn't struggling. So here I was thinking, shame, 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 Tiffany. But really up until 25, 26, I was financially perfect and nobody was financially perfect in their 20s. So what looked like such a big deal to me was like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. credit card debt. Oh yeah, mm -hmm, sounds about right. Oh, student loan debt. Okay, welcome to student loan debt. We all have it. So they were just kind of like, it's just that maybe mine happened suddenly, but almost all my friends had credit card debt. Almost all my friends had student loan debt. And then the recession hit. So many of my friends lost their job. And she normalized what I had considered the biggest deal. She allowed me to see it for what it was, was I was human. Things had happened. I'm still here. I can turn it around. And what I really needed was I needed that permission to forgive myself mm-hmm. because I didn't realize how angry I was at myself and how I had not forgiven myself. But with Linda kind of saying like, it's not a big deal. It was like, it's not. She was like, I thought you killed somebody. I'm like, did you really? She's like, no, but you know, sounds dramatic. <laughs> She's like, cause you were hiding out. Like you've been hiding out cause you have credit card debt. Like, what is, what sense could, does that make? Oh my God. That is so, so what is so fascinating in that to me is like in this one moment, one mm-hmm. person said one thing to you and your thoughts completely changed. And because your thoughts changed, you felt differently and yes. you could take different action because of it. Yes, Isn't that amazing? Told- it is because I, when I think I just was actually talking to Linda earlier today, and it's just so crazy how you're right that I don't know what I would have done if Linda had not started laughed. laughing at you. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, like what's hey, wrong with you? Yes, and she was like, she's like, uh, you know how long I've been broke? <laughs> she was like, this can't be the reason why you've been avoiding us for two years. Honestly, what? Like, what did you steal? Who did you kill? Like, yes. what happened? I mean, you have credit card debt. That's it, Tiffany. It's not that serious. So what did you do from that place? What changed? What did you decide to do? So once I decided that I forgave myself and that I can acknowledge the mistakes without saying that I'm a mistake. That there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. Then all of a sudden, the solutions that I had already been taught were like so clear to me. It was like the way we remained clear. I was like, it's the same thing you've always done, Tiffany. You live frugally. You work, you live frugally, you save what you can, you pay what you can. That's it. So it was one foot in front of the other. So what can you do? And at the time I was getting unemployment and because it was the recession, very much like now they had special allowances, meaning that normally you could only collect unemployment for like six months to a year. They extended unemployment during that time for two years. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you basically have two years to figure out what are you going to do? 
So I lived really frugally under, I can't remember, like, I think with unemployment, you're, you make like 60% of like what you make. But the thing is, I was used to living off of 50%. Mm. So with that you 10%. Were up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that extra 10%, plus I was living at home, that extra right. 10%, I was using it to pay down that debt. I was like, okay, you're going to pay down this debt, Tiffany. You're going to be aggressive with paying down this debt. And I decided, though, I was afraid of going back to a job that could be taken from me because mm-hmm. I was a really good teacher. I came early. I stayed late. Like, I love kids. I was fun. And it felt crazy to do a really good job and for someone to come say, mm-hmm. even though you've done a really good job, it's gone. So mm-hmm. I told myself, I don't want to go back to the classroom. I thought I actually was over being a teacher. I wasn't. It just, I didn't want to go back to what felt unsafe. Cause I'm actually someone who is risk adverse, hmm. which would seem weird because I'm an entrepreneur. But to me, there was a switch that happened with that loss that I started to look at risk differently. To me, entrepreneurship is not risky working for someone else was because someone else then is in charge of my life. Yeah, that's right. And with entrepreneurship, I can bet on Tiffany. If I bet on me, then I know I can win. Mm -hmm. Staying home, then I moved in with my sister, my sister Tracy, who's two years younger than me. I slept on her couch for two months. And that's when I really started getting into the budget Nisa. I did a lot of volunteer work for, I remember 2009, I said, this is my volunteer year because I want to figure out what do I like when there's no money involved. I was like, you're on unemployment. Unemployment's going to be out at the end of this year. So use this year to figure out what do you really want to do? And so I did all, I mean, I fed the homeless. I planned parties for like kids. I did all these things trying to figure out, like, I remember calling Linda and being like, Linda, I got it. I want to be a party planner. She's like, sounds great. Linda, I hate it. Party planning sucks. (laughs) So I was trying all the things. Um, Linda was just there listening, supporting you along. (laughs) Even today, I was talking to her. I was like, Linda, Linda. So Linda, I just love Linda. I always tell people, get you a Linda. (laughs) But the one thing, there's one thread that kept following me is that no matter where I volunteered, somebody would be talking about money in some way, shape, or form. And I would interject because nosy. And I'd be like, no, no, that's not how you fix your credit. No, 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 that's not how you budget. And I would find myself, no matter whether it was feeding the homeless, party planning, whatever. And I'd find myself giving like these little mini financial lessons to like individual people. And I remember Linda again was like, well, why don't you do that? And I was like, well, that's not a business. What is that, she, right? Like, yeah, that's she like, was like, well, you're like my- doing it for free. Maybe just ask people to pay you. <laughs> Even if it's not a business, oh. maybe it could just be a side hustle. And I said, okay. I started doing one-on-ones. First, like I practiced on my friends. And I'm like, if you know any friends, send them my way. And so I was doing one-on-ones. And I didn't really like them because we would do a one-on-one. And I'd be like helping you with your budget. Your kids would be there. And the budget would say negative 200 when we're all said and done. And I'd look at the kids and look at you and look at the kids and look at the number. And like, how can I ask for money? There's nothing here. <laughs> so I, was, I would always leave like, well, there's no money in it for me because I couldn't take money from people who I'm like looking at the kids like, oh God, what are they going to eat? If they I need to eat. <laughs> so in good conscience, I just couldn't take money from people who didn't have it. So I said, okay, that's not going to work. I was like, I have my unemployment sorted now. I got to figure out something. And my mentor, her name was Christine Carter. I'll never forget at the time. She said, Tiffany, you need to get contracts. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. How do I do that? She was like, I actually got to run. I have a meeting. Figure it out. I'm like, are you kidding me? That, that was literally her advice. But it was like the best advice ever because I thought to myself, okay, 
I remember being really mad because I felt that I was a good person. Why was I struggling like this, mm-hmm. you know? And I just remember trying, I told myself, well, let's list all of the things that are going right, things that you have, the resources that you have. And I was like, oh, I'm funny. My parents are nice. You know, like I'm just literally listing, like I've, cause I, I've always journaled. And then I was like, I've got emails. I was like, wait, emails. You know what? I did all this volunteer work. Why don't I just email everyone? It was like maybe 50 people on my email list places I'd volunteered. I said, why don't I just email them and say, hey, it's me, Tiffany. I've taught financial education in some way, shape or form when I was volunteering and I would love to do that formally. So I emailed them and waited for the contracts to roll in. One person emailed back and was like, oh, Amy, who you emailed no longer works here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you thought, oh, Sandy, you thought that was going to be, I saw you leaning in like, no. But I was like, $100,000 contract? That's amazing. (laughs) But her name was Catherine, (laughs) Catherine Wilson of the United Way. And I was like, well, can I come meet you? And she said, okay. And what I didn't know at the time was that Catherine had just gotten a job at the United Way as a community developer. Her job was to bring different programs and host them at the United Way so the community could come in. I didn't know that. So I met her and we became fast friends. We were the same age and we just had a laugh like how we're having now. And she was telling me something about her student loan debt. And I had brought a book that I'd written, my first book called The One Week Budget. Because when I used to teach preschool, I would help all the parents during nap time with their finances because I just enjoyed it. And so I put it into a notebook because so many parents asked. And I, one day I was like, you know, I'm going to make this into a book. And so since I was unemployed, I had a lot of downtime. At the time, Amazon had this program called Create Space where you can upload the digital version of your book. So I, I had it, although it sold like nothing, but still I had it. I had a book. Right? I so I brought it with me. And so she, when she was talk, like complaining about her student loans and her debt, I whipped out the book and I do what I do best, which is teach. And she was like, that was awesome. Could you do this for my staff? And I was like, uh, yeah, can you prepay? I <laughs> kidding. No, but really, could you prepay? And so it was like six, no, $500. And, and a friend of mine just the week uh. before told me, hey, Tiffany, there's this really beautiful brownstone downtown Newark and I'm renting, this is still like recession, like it was like 2010. I'm renting a room in this beautiful brownstone and there's four other rooms and I want to fill it up so crazy people are not renting with me, people I don't know. And I was like, oh my gosh, how much is rent? She said 500 bucks a month. I was like, oh, I don't really have 500. So then when Catherine asked me, could I teach her staff for 500? I was thinking, yes, I've got 500. I taught my heart out. I went to TD Bank, which is like the bank that gives away all the free pens and took all those free pens. I went to the dollar store. I got folders. I asked a friend who worked for like this company if she can make photocopies for me. And I just made the room look all professional with my stolen pens. Well, not stolen because technically they're there for people to take, just not all of them. It's your day doing the marketing for them. <laughs> exactly. I really taught my heart out. Catherine came back and was like, oh my gosh, everyone loved it. So much so that there are people who missed out because they were out sick or they just weren't at work. Can you come back and do it again? And yes, we can prepay. I was like, yay. So I went from no money to in two weeks, $1,000. I was like, so now I have my deposit for the room plus first month's rent. So I did that. And she came back to me and said, could you do this for the community? I said, I would love to. She said, do you have a, like a program? And I was like, yeah. Of course I do. (laughs) And she said, how many weeks is it? I was like, six? I don't even know where I pulled that (laughs) She was like, sounds good. (laughs) She was like, create a proposal and submit it. I was like, proposal, gotcha. 
I was like, I don't know how to talk. I got right? a template at like, home. <laughs> right? So what I did was, this is back then when people used to really follow people locally on Twitter. Mm. So I tweeted, hell, I have to write a proposal and I don't know how to write a proposal. But because I had been doing volunteer work for like that whole year before, oh. yeah, somebody who's, I used to use Twitter to like get people to come volunteer with me. I'm like, hey, if you're homeless today, if anybody wants to come, hey. Because it was like, you know, like I lived in Newark, so I knew everybody, you know. And so that's how we would communicate. And this woman named Michelle Thomas, who I didn't know at the time, she was a communications director for the city of Newark, but I didn't know that. She tweeted me, it was like, Tiffany, I love what you're doing in my city. I love all the good works I've been watching you do. If you send me, email me your stuff and I'll put it together in proposal form. I was like, we've got a proposal. So that was super nice of her. Now, the curriculum component, I told myself, okay, you don't have a program, but Tiffany, you do know how to write curriculum. That's what I, I, I got my master's for. And so I'm like, so just write it as if you were writing a lesson plan for like your preschool classroom. So I did that. I was like, I just literally created a series of lesson plans and I put it together I put it with the proposal that Michelle helped me to put together and I submitted it. And I think I asked for like $300 a class or something like that. So that was $1,800 because it was 300 times six, the six magical, the magical classes. Number. <laughs> right? She said, yes. And I was like, oh, so there I went from no money to $500 to a thousand to now $1,800. And I worked with the United Way for like three years. And at the peak, I was doing like three cohorts. So I was doing like on mm-hmm. Tuesday classes, Wednesday classes, and Thursday classes. So I was making really good money a month. Mm-hmm. And I loved mm-hmm. it. Honestly, that's probably one of my favorite, because I really love teaching, especially in-person teaching. And what it helped me do is the first cohort, the United Way, is the one that did the marketing. They were like, hey, we have this free class. And like five people came. And I remember thinking, if I want them to hire me back, we're going to have to have more people than this. So I asked them, can I market it as well? So I did in the second cohort, 20 people, third cohort, like 40 people. And with every cohort and group of people that took it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger because I wanted them to keep me on. And it just became almost like the go-to hot ticket in Newark. Hmm. (laughs) So like, oh, you got to go to Tiffany's free class. And what I loved is that the classes were free right? because the United Way paid me. So it was so in alignment with how I wanted to show up. It's like, I wanted to be of service. Yeah, I wanted to help people that needed help, but I'm not going to lie. I felt guilty, which... I've since remedied, but at the time I felt guilty for charging people because I'm like, well, how are you going to be of service and charge people? So at that time, the remedy was get an organization to pay me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how the United Way worked. And then I transitioned to digital because one, I was doing that marketing on social media to get people to come to the free United Way classes. And then a woman from Florida said, I want to come. And I was like, oh, sure. It's Tuesday night. Here's the address. She said, no, but I live in Florida. And I was like, well, I... I don't live in Florida. (laughs) And then another woman from Idaho and another woman from California said, I want to come. And I thought, well, how do I do this? But for these women who live all over, so I said, well, I'll take my classes and I'll bring them online. And I rebranded them and called them the Live Richer Challenge. And I, I made it shorter. I made it five weeks. And I said, you know what? If I can get I don't know where I came up with the number. I wanted 10,000 women to sign up for this Live Richer Challenge. That was my goal, which is like at a time blowing. Yes. I started in the beginning of the year and my my goal was I wanted to host the first literature challenge in January when everyone had like, Mm -hmm. oh, my New Year's resolution is to fix my money. So it took eight months to convince 10,000 women to sign up for this free literature challenge. It didn't cost anything and it still doesn't. But I didn't know anything about, like, I didn't know you could like pay for marketing. So I just would, like, I was using Twitter and Facebook and 
I don't even know if Instagram was out then, but I was just every day posting. And January, 10,000 of us worked through this five-week course that I created, and it was totally free. I didn't know how to monetize anything. And I cry now thinking, because I remember there was this bank that I suggested that people get their savings account with because they had the highest interest rate. And I didn't know at the time the bank was giving you $25 per person that signed up. Uh. And when I tell you, like, if I could just do the math right now. So if I tell you, I used to do a survey every week. And at the time I asked how many people signed up with the bank. Yeah. 3,000. Let's do the math of how much money I lost that on. 3,000 oh times Lord. $25, $75,000. When I tell you the tears that I wept when I found out, I was like, I don't understand. Someone's like, you must be making a lot of money sending the people to the bank to open up bank accounts. I'm like, a lot of money? They're not giving me their money. They're like, no, the bank is having that. Yes. Can you imagine? I was like, wait, what? So I called the bank and I tried that. They were like, oh, we don't do that on promotion anymore. I'm like, yeah, but I sent you guys 3,000 people. (laughs) $75,000 gone. Wow. But you live and you learn. And then yeah. I learned about monetizing. And um, I wasn't going to do another challenge, but that first challenge, we had the 10,000 and friends of friends who weren't able to make it or, or who didn't do it heard how great it was. And they said, can you do it again? And I said, you know, I'm going to automate it. Yeah. And so I automated it. It went from the end of 2015. So January, 2015, the first challenge launched by the end, we had 20,000 people that had gone through the challenge and they're like, let's do another one. So I did the first one really like the fundamentals, like all the fundamentals that you need. And then I broke them down and I said, the next challenge will be the savings edition. Then the next one after that was the credit edition. We had a home buying edition and a net worth edition. And the one that we're doing for 2021 is going to be the, I have something called the financial, financial wholeness. There's 10 steps that I think you should achieve. It's been awesome because over 900,000 women have done one or more of the challenges. And now that I've learned to monetize them, (laughs) so they're still free, but I do have affiliate links in them, which makes it so that way they pay for themselves. I just and, assumed um, you were going to go into like, the, you've started to charge for these. So these are no, still all free still, yep. and if you make your money on just affiliates. No, no. So that was, so what happened was, so one with the challenges, my audience, someone said, like with the first challenge, somebody said to me, Hey, Tiffany, do you have this in book form? And I said, why would you want a book? This is free. Hello. Meanwhile, <laughs> it was like literally make money, Tiffany, <laughs> make money. Like Exactly. It's like so many women, right? And I was like, why would you want a book? And then someone else asked me, I want a book. I'm like, why would you want to pay for a book? And people were like, well, one, I'd love to support you. And two, not everybody wants to do everything online, especially when it comes to my finances. I want to tangibly hold a workbook. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. I paid a kid like $300 to like take the blog post and put it into book form and make it a workbook and upload it to Amazon. And I remember the one week budget my first book, I mean, now it sells well, but my first book took like three years to hit any of the Amazon charts. My literature challenge first book, three days. Hmm. I made $10,000 from that book. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? So I was like, okay, there's something here. You can charge for things, Tiffany. People will buy them. So that was like the first kind of light bulb that you can charge people for things and still be in alignment with how you want to show up and they can buy them. I said, okay, well, what else can I do? And my audience really told me, they said, I want, they wanted to learn about investing. They wanted to learn about how to start a business, all these deeper dive things. And I myself was getting coached by different experts and friends who, who that was their expertise. And so I had these experts come in 
to teach separate classes. And I created something that I call my Literature Academy. And that was four years ago that I launched the Literature Academy. And that first launch, I remember my husband, I got a business partner for the Literature Academy. Like the budget needs to, the original business that I still have is was mine, mine 100%, but I have a business partner for the Academy because he's like a marketing genius. And I remember we launched the Literature Academy. It was, I think, I want to say 2016. And we were, all of us, my husband, my, my business partner, we were all sitting in the living room and we pressed like open the cart mm-hmm. and the numbers were like, <gasps> I couldn't believe it. Within 30 minutes, we had made $30,000. <gasps> oh my I was God, like, Tiffany. <gasps> How yeah, big was I mean, your email list at that point? Do you remember? <gasps> okay. So let me see. It's so hard to tell. Okay. Because you had like hundreds of thousands of people go through. Yes. Well, no. So I would say my email list then was between, I would say probably around the 50 to 75,000. Okay. But yeah, what so really, good size. Mm-hmm. because by then I had done the challenges for a number right, of years. Right. That's mm-hmm. how you built it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's so crazy how things work. Cause that was, I wasn't strategic. There's I was no, like, yeah, there's no strategy behind that. Yes. Like, I was something like, free. Yes. And then I was like, oh wait, I have emails as a result. Oh wait, wow. I can reach out to people. And so here was also something pivotal, pivotal that was really important to the success of that launch is that when people join the literature challenge, so when I used to teach at the United Way, everybody kept emailing me the same email. So Facebook groups came out and I was like, perfect. If you go to one of my United Way classes, you have to join the group. I'm not going to take any more email questions. You have to ask them here. So that way I can answer one time and everyone can see. And so what was so weird is that people joined the challenge and I saw all these people who were requesting to join the Facebook group. Now, my cohorts for the United Way weren't that big. I knew all the students. I'm like, that's not a student, Delete. I don't know who that is, Delete. And it clicked. It started, I started to realize, wait, these are literature challenge people. Mm. Who wanted, how are they finding me? I was like, you know what? I might as well just let them in. So I did. And so my Facebook group grew tremendously as a result because challenge people joined the group. So when I launched, even more powerful than the email list is when I launched, it was the Facebook group that because that's when I was like yeah. um, dropping like hints of like, you know, what should, what should we learn in class and what do you need? And at first I was going to make the Literature Academy when we first opened, I was going to make it 24, 25 bucks a month. And I remember the feedback back then, it was like, that's a little high. And I said, okay. How about this? The first 2,000 people, I'll make it $9.99 a month. I didn't know, but I didn't, but so, but here's the thing. It sounds crazy, but what I didn't realize is that it caused a frenzy because I felt bad and I was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. But I didn't realize that that was marketing. They're all like scrambling to get it. Like I need that $9.99. I mean, it was like Christmas morning. And that's recurring. That's a, that's a monthly. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what? So I ended up keeping it $9.99 because I felt bad because after the first 2000 people felt bad. We're like, Oh, what about me? What about me? And I was like, fine. I just left it at $9.99 across the board. And wow. like, we made uh, $70,000 with that first launch. I couldn't believe it. So in like seven days, $70,000. You're like, this entrepreneur thing is awesome. <laughs> Making money is amazing. Yes. But it was still a lot of work because the way we wanted to do our literature academy, our online school, is not the way these platforms were built. Most of these platforms were built to sell one-off courses. Mm-hmm. Right. But what, what I wanted to do is I wanted that you had access to all the courses at yeah. one time and you paid a monthly fee for access, but they weren't really built for that. So as we were, we went from platform to platform, kind of like piecing together. So it was really janky in the beginning. So I'm actually mm-hmm. glad that it was $10 because it was worth about that. 
<laughs> and so we kept trying and trying and trying until we found a platform that we're at now. And so like that was like a good fit because by then they had figured out that some people wanted to use the platform differently. Everyone kept saying, I don't want to be on Facebook because we knew we had to have a community to go along with the school. And everyone said, I don't want to be on Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook. So we tried one community, another community. Nobody participated. We came back to Facebook. Everyone participated. Mm-hmm. So everyone said they didn't want to be on Facebook. But, but they're all there. Yep. So I said, okay. And I was like, hey, I like free because, you know, Facebook <laughs> yeah, is yeah. free. Then the next launch we did was a really good lesson because I got really like, oh, well, clearly if we made 75000 the first launch, we're obviously going to make eighty, dollars 100000 the second launch. But I didn't do the steps. There's a great book called Launch by Jeff Walker. Mm-hmm. And so like the first launch, we were like, I was following the steps to the T. The second launch, I was like, eh, I can do it haphazardly. They'll buy, uh, we made 35000 mm. And I was like, yeah, maybe I want to be thorough. <laughs> there's um, a reason there's these steps. Exactly. Yeah. But I learned and I was like, okay. And then I remember about two years in, that's when it really, there was a point where we were down to like, I was going to close the academy because it just, I couldn't figure out the platform. I couldn't figure out how to deliver the material and it was just not doing well. And I remember saying, I think we should just close it because we're down to our last $10,000. I don't think we're going to last. Our churn rate was high. My business partner was like, let's do one more launch. Let's do it. The full-fledged Jeff Walker launch and use that money. We'll close registration. Well, because we used to have like registration open for just a few periods, you know, Mm -hmm. And he said, well, close registration after and revamp. And I said, okay, let's see. So we did the full to the T launch from the launch book. We made $250,000. Wow. Yes. And I was like, okay. So we closed it, but we didn't really take any of that money in. We were like, we have six to eight months to figure out what's wrong. And what I learned is that to stop guessing and just ask. Uh So I went to my community and I said, what do you need? Right. Literally, I went, I did a series of lives. We did some surveys and we literally started fixing in real time. I would say, what do you think about this? We don't like this. Okay. I would fix it a week later, came back. So you guys said this, so like this, so literally tweaking based upon that feedback and people, the churn rate dropped significantly. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you listening, churn is just how many people you lose a month, Mm -hmm. right? Where sometimes you lose them because their credit card doesn't renew. And sometimes you lose them because they just cancel. So it dropped significantly because people were like, oh, she's making changes. It was like another light bulb, like, huh, transparency. I have to stay and see what's next. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, look at Tiffany trying. And people would literally email me and say, it's not perfect. I'm like, well, thanks. But I love that you're trying. (laughs) I (laughs) I see the effort. (laughs) Yes. But so it got better and better and better and better. Then we were like, okay, now we're ready to open back up again. And we did another launch. And I think that one, it was... We made, I think, $550,000 in that launch. And by then we were like, okay, this is something good that we really have. And then that's when I realized that we were, because we were still $9.99 a month. That's insane. I I know. high volume, high volume. (laughs) The thing is, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And it wasn't until I started going to these masterminds Mm -hmm. and I would explain our business model. And they were like, so what's on the back end of that? I'm like, back end, what's that? They're like, after they paid the $10, like, what are you upselling? I'm like, what's, it, what's, what's upselling? They're like, wait, you're making this just with $10. Just for, and I'm like, is that bad? They're like, what, how many emails are you selling? I'm sending them. I'm like, emails. They're like, wait, what? Oh <laughs> I would God. do one webinar and I would send one email. So for those of you who don't know, like I, our, our sales loop was this. We would run a Facebook ad. 
and say, hey, join Tiffany for a webinar, learn how to budget. Then I would teach a class. And then I didn't even know that I was doing webinars, quote unquote, wrong, because I didn't know you weren't supposed to teach all that you knew. So I'm just teaching all the things. And then, and then, and then, (laughs) and then at the end, I would say something like, so I just taught you everything I know about budgeting, but I have an online school where you can learn these other things. And, you know, if you want to sign up, it's 10 bucks a month. People were joining and they were like, so how many emails do you send them after that? I was like, one. They were like, just to say, thanks for coming. And they couldn't believe, they're like, well, I was closing my webinar up to 60%. Wow. And I'm like, is that good? I thought I was doing terrible because to me, I'm a teacher, 60 is a D. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something to be said about not knowing right. that like, you Just know, take action. Just keep taking yes. action. That is so interesting. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live-streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. Unlike other startups, Namastream was created by women for women. If you're looking for a simple, streamlined way to build and grow an online business, you can learn more at namastream.com. I love the not knowing and like these enormous numbers. We we have a platform, Nomstream, where our clients create memberships and so on. And we're like, never charge anything less than 20 ever. I know, and here I you know are. And I can hear all of them like, but Tiffany was on that podcast no, 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 you and don't she wanna... charged $10. I'm like, nope. No, no. It was, it was when I say like, because my mentor was like screaming. She's like, Tiffany. Because I, like I said, I didn't know. It was only... It was literally in the, the mastermind circles. They used to call us the unicorns. Yeah, she that's said, because for sure. Yeah, it's just not, it's not recommended. It's, yeah, <laughs> the, and then the, when anything with memberships, the churn rate is always going to kill you, right? It's like you're yes. always sort of in this uphill battle to yes. keep the people and not lose them. But the ones you so lose- So I will say place. the churn, are, because at that rate, it was so low. Our churn actually wasn't bad. I remember at our churn, at the lowest we got, it was like just under 4%, which is wow. like really, really good. Well, you know, at nine bucks- what are you fighting for? You know? Right. Right. And so, and I had chosen that nine ninety nine because I was like, well, that's how much Netflix is. And that's how much Spotify is. So I was like, I didn't know. I had no sense. I was like, that's cute. So then what happened after that is that my mentor was like, Tiffany, because I told her we were stuck at how much, I think we had peaked at like $180,000 a month, which sounds like a lot, but not when you start paying staff and yeah, other things. Yeah, and, it goes quickly. and I realized that we had all these people, but it wasn't because, you know, you can't make that much for nine ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So she said, Tiffany, you have to charge more. And I remember I was like, okay, we're going to bump up to $16. She said, no, you're going to bump up to $30. I'm like, $30? My heart was like, there's no way. I can't do $30. I was like, I can't. I was like, we we can't go from $9, $10 a month to $30. And she's like, you're going to do $30. I was like, I'm not going to do $30. She's like, you're going to do $30. I was like, okay, I'm going to do $30. And I was so scared that my audience was going to be livid at me. And so what I did was I said, I'm going to grandfather you mm-hmm. old people in. And then I did something smart, which I'm actually glad that we did. I said, I'm going to grandfather you old people in and we're going to have one final launch. Yeah. And the final launch was, this is your last time ever in life to lock in the academy at $9.99 a month. Yeah. And then after that, it's going up to 30. So we made $775,000. <gasps> I was like, <gasps> because so many people were like, what? Du, du, du. If you could see me. Nothing I'm like, like urgency. Du, 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 du. Like, like, right? So people were just running. Like, What that did was, so that launch was in March. Because I was wondering, I was looking at my numbers the other day. Of we this, this year? This year? 
No, last year. Last year. Okay. Yeah. So it was March of last year. And so, you know, we also do, we do annual and biannual. So you can buy, you at the time you could do $9.99 a month. You can do 50 bucks for six months because we gave you one month free if you did six months and you can do a hundred bucks for a year because you get two months free if you do annually. So a lot of people paid for the hundred bucks. Mm. But so in March, I was wondering, we had this huge bump in March with like income, but it was the renewals from the right. annual renewal. Yeah, that's like the beautiful part. Yes. I was like, okay, this is cute. <laughs> but what also what it, what, what it did was, because at first people thought I was crazy. Like I said, so many things that I've done have been accidental in that it actually helped our churn tremendously because they know that if you leave the 999 people, if you mm-hmm. leave and mm-hmm. you come back, you come you're back paying 2999. Mm-hmm. The people are like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm gonna stay right where I am. <laughs> where wow, I am. That's so interesting. Yes. I could talk to you forever, but I just want to I have I'm dying. I'm dying to ask you something. And I yes, we okay. need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. Okay, I need to know what you do for PR and how you got on Queer Eye. So great question. The Queer Eye producer slid into my DMs. Seriously? Yes. That's and the you, story. She, no, no, you know what she said? She said I took your literature challenge. Boom. Oh. It helped me so much. Oh. And so when we had this opportunity, I said, I know exactly who. And I was like, <gasps> I can't tell you how many times, newspaper, magazine, whatever, that the person, the reporter says, I oh, took your literature challenge. God. You see? Yes. And so yes. that when I tell you the literature challenge is a gift that keeps on giving, everyone, all of my financial friends, so I'm, I'm part of like a financial mastermind Facebook group where we talk us financial educators talk about what we can do, best practices. And everyone, when I launched a literature challenge, said I was foolish because you're going to do this because it's a lot of work. You're going to do this month-long challenge. It's daily tasks. You're going to write all this. Do it. You don't really make any money. I mean, the book sales are like decent, but you don't really make any money. But when I tell you the number mm-hmm. of opportunities, like I am, I remember there was this car company. Everybody knows it. A woman called me from there. From, I didn't know it was corporate. And she's like, hi, my name is Juanita. I work with such and such car company. I was like, oh, I already have a car. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm calling from the corporate office. So then I had to put on like my professional voice. Well, hello, Juanita. She's like, girl, I follow you. I'm a dream catcher. So that's what I call my tribe. <laughs> like the women who follow me, we call ourselves dream catchers. And she was like, well, I'm a dream catcher. I was like, oh, okay. So I could be my regular self. <laughs> and she's like, I've been telling my company about you for two years because what? I took your literature challenge and it changed my life. And she was like, I've been telling them. So she was cheerleading me for two years. I had no idea who she was. And they finally said, okay. So it ended up with, it was like a small contract at first. And then I've had multiple six figure contracts with them as a result. Wow. So, so much of my press comes from, I took your literature challenge. And like I was on OWN, you know, Oprah's network. And I did this show called Fear Not with Ayana Vanzat. No, they wanted to um, talk about fear in the different ways that it just rears its ugly head. And they had me down for financial fear. So this was like this amazing opportunity. And sure enough, the producer, I was like, I always ask, how'd you find me? I took your literature challenge. Or really Instagram has been the next, because just in the last week alone today, Cosmopolitan Magazine reached out to me. Love to interview Tiffany. I got, I was interviewed by New York Times yesterday, Wall Street Journal last week. I mean, every outlet you can think of, a lot of times a reporter is in their 20s and their 30s and they're like, I follow you on Instagram. So I do a lot of lives and fun educational posts. Mm. So it's like they're either getting these bite-sized pieces of knowledge from me or these deeper dives through my challenges. And so I tell people all the time, give value, give value, give value. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Oh my God, I thought there was going to be like a very expensive PR firm involved, but it's, <laughs> it's not. It's called, well, it was a very expensive <laughs> yes. my time and energy. And I will but- say this, I had my sister come on to help me with PR. And so what I did was I said, I want you to go through my emails and see anybody who I've ever had press with and create a media list. So she's not a publicist, mm. but she has become my amazing publicist in the last six months. Because wow. it's just been so, it's, it's gotten so crazy. So she was like, okay. So she created a media list just from people who've emailed me. But also, you know, if you can go, you can go on Twitter, especially on Twitter. A lot of these, I guess, writers will have their email on Twitter. So she started just looking like, like what magazines do you want to be in, Tiffany? What newspapers do you want to be in? She would look up their names or look them up on Twitter and find their email address. And then she would email them out. and pitch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, Tiffany Bajanista would love to talk about. So you learn to also pitch specific things, especially as it relates to, so what really helped with during this time during COVID and pandemic, it was like, she can talk about five ways to survive for your finances to survive. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give them the story. Yeah. Yeah. That helped. When I tell you tremendously, and she kept just a spreadsheet of here's the person's name, here's their email, here's when I pitched them and what I pitched them. So she just, cause she's super meticulous. So as a result, I mean, the level of press I've gotten just as a result. So I remember the New York Times is like, oh, I saw you in the Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal is like, oh, I saw you in Yahoo Finance. You see? Yeah, it just starts to spiral. And, yeah. Yes. Just take and so You don't yeah, have to spend a-, a lot of money. There's also a really good tool that I used to use back in the day. It called um, Help a Reporter Out. Oh, yes. I used to be on that. Yes. yes. So is it's a lot. that still going? Yes, it's a lot of work, but it was worth it if you really want to get press and you don't have money for a publicist. Mm-hmm. You open up like some junk email and you sign up for help or reporter out. You choose like whatever it is. I'm a woman. I talk about money or whatever. There are different subjects that you niches. choose. Yeah. And they send you emails regularly. And then from those emails, you know, you can decide which reporter you're going to reach back out to. Basically, you're yeah. literally helping a reporter out. Yeah. So in the beginning, I got a lot of press hits. So a little rule of thumb is that when the reporter emails you, email their name, Google their name, Rob Lowe, writer, Rob Lowe, journalist, and see what comes up. I had like, Rob Lowe posters on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that, that you use that name as an example. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, that's okay. And so I would find out that like, oh my gosh, this person writes for the New York Times or whatever, because sometimes they won't tell you what they're writing right, for. Right, so, right, right. Yes. And then you always want to make your reply really simple. Hi, Rob. Like, so usually the, the it's called a query, we'll say, looking for someone to talk about ways to save during a pandemic. Hi, Rob. My name is Tiffany. I'm financial educator, founder of The Budgetista, Linking Budgetista. Here are three ways that you can say during the pandemic. I'm not giving the everything, just a list of the three ways. Mm-hmm. I'd love to share more, your name and your phone number. I can't tell you how many times almost they instantly phone. a reporter has called me. Really? Yes. And so like, mm-hmm. so I got a Google number for that. And so they would yeah. call me and then you could do your interview right there. So that's a lot of work, but it's worth it in the beginning when you're first starting out. Right. I love it. I have totally forgot about that tool. Well, I need to wrap this up. I could seriously just like listen to you all day, truly, but we end each episode with a joy and hustle. So do you have a joy for our listeners? I do have a joy. So my niece and nephew who are three and four respectively, they live literally down the street from me and they are like my delight. I have another niece, but she lives so far from me, so I don't get to see her. But the ones that live down the street, I mean, I don't even mind that they leave crumbs everywhere. They're just like, my happy space. <laughs> well, and they have an aunt that used to teach kids. Yes, so I'm yes. sure you're pretty fun. <laughs> I am. 
<laughs> um, and my hustle tool is I actually just hired my first business coach. Oh. And I wasn't really someone who was like, oh, I'm going to get a business coach. But what I liked about this business coach in particular is that not only does he coach me personally, he has a team that also, also coaches my team. Mm-hmm. And so he's oh, got like nice. a finance person that coaches a finance person, mm-hmm. a marketing person that coaches the marketing person. Honestly, it's been the best money ever spent. We are transforming as a team. And I, I think every couple years or so that I'm going to do this again. And we, we hit our first seven-figure month in April of this oh year. I know our reoccurring is like $850,000 a month. So we are officially an eight-figure a year company. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Congratulations. Thank you. God, we need these stories for Mm -hmm. women-led companies like this. We just, ah, it just makes, it just gives me goosebumps. Thank you so much for being so open and honest and, you know, just sharing those numbers because I think it's really, really important. Well, I just want women to know that you can do it. If preschool teacher Tiffany can do it, it's not easy, but you can monetize your skill set. My skill set is teaching. I'm not like amazing at all these things. I'm a really good teacher. I know that as long as I'm in alignment with that and I put my energy and my soul into that, I will always do well. So it doesn't matter what you're good at. There's a way to monetize it. I just have one last question. So what is your next goal for your business? So my next goal is I actually wrote a children's book. It's oh like I God. brought it full circle. I, mm-hmm. I know because I'm not busy enough. <laughs> I just, just zingers, right? So I thought to myself, because I got a law passed for the state of New Jersey making financial yes, education. I read that. Thank you. Yeah. So it's mandatory for middle school students because New Jersey has a law for high school already. So preschool teacher mind, I was like, you know, there were no financial education books that were age appropriate for preschoolers when I was a teacher. So I wrote one. It's called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. And I'm so delighted by it. I did a, I did a Kickstarter for it. The Kickstarter did really well. We've already sold 10,000 copies in the first like two or three months. And it is just, I feel like I would love to see this little girl, Molly. So it's M-A-L-I. I I would love Mm -hmm. to see her as a cartoon and a doll. And so it seems so random, but that's what I would love. Because like the preschool teacher in me would like love to just Mm -hmm. see that Mm-hmm. This Pajamas and lunchboxes and all, yes. the things, all the branded stuff, right? Because Dora the Explorer, I mean, even though she's not yeah. like the hottest thing as she used to be, she her brand is still worth about eight, yeah. uh, no, eleven billion dollars. Because yeah. it was a huge. Remember when Dora was like, it yeah. was like Dora mania everywhere you went. I just feel like, well, if Molly can just get just a little bit of that, too, you know, I feel yes. like this could really be a huge company. I already had a someone slid into my DMs. I already had somebody from a major network saying they want to turn her into a show. I already what? had one of the top five. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the woman who slid into my DM, she lists, I have a podcast called Brown Ambition. And she heard me talking about it on the podcast. And then I already had one of the top five book publishers in the country ask to buy the book. And I was like, no, because you know how you could feel there's something special? And I'm like, Mm-mm, I want to hold out and develop this further before I think about anything like that. So the sky's really the limit. You will reach a point that if you sow enough seeds that you will always harvest, you will always reap. You will reach a point when you have to just decide what is it that you want to reap. Just keep sowing. I know it's hard. I know that it's overwhelming. I know that you don't know the next step. Keep sowing. Do your daily deposits every day. Plant something in honor of your goal and your dream, whether it's a YouTube video, a good thought, a conversation, a journal entry, some actual work, you know, like plant something. Daily deposits make all the difference. 
Where can people find you if they want more, Tiffany? <laughs> you can find me at thebudgetnista.com. I'm also The Budget Nista on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you're wanting the Live Richer Challenge, it's livericherchallenge.com. All five of them are there and still free. And my book, Happy Birthday, Molly Moore, it's at M-A-L-I-M-O-R-E.com, mollymore.com. Oh my God. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you, Sandy. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free. 